Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey friends, welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin. I'll be your host and I'm hanging out again with my good friend, James Meehan. You know James from handling a lot of the Switch content. So you see him on the screen a lot of times, but not only does James do our Switch content and create all kinds of stuff for Switch, he also is a Switch small group leader. Is that true, James? Am I speaking true things? You are speaking true things, Josh, because you're a man of integrity. I try to be like, I mean, I, <laughs> it's always the, the efforts there. I can at least say that the effort is always there Glorious. to be a man of integrity. And thank so. God that his grace doesn't mm. need to be earned. It's yeah. freely given. Well, that's, I'm so glad that you're, amen. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more like practical leading small group stuff. And so we recognize we're a couple of months into the semester. And we've had a couple of big events so far. And when we do those big events, you're going to have new students come in. So many of you, maybe even as of last last week, you've had brand new students that entered your small group. And sometimes those brand new students, you're like, man, this kid, this might be the most well-mannered, possibly best parented kid that ever existed, right? <laughs> and then sometimes you get a kid or two or seven that you're like, man, <laughs> I mean, I hit the I hit the jackpot with Amen. just kids that are so needing the grace of God, right? Yes. Like yes. those ones. And so we recognize all of those kids exist because there were kids like me growing up that were great. And then kids like you, James, Amen. you know, that needed that were not loads. great. <laughs> I don't even know at all if I'm speaking truth. So I'm just making things up. You are. But people oh, okay, good. So people <laughs> recognize at least that, yeah, we we see that there could be uh, a little bit of a difference from one student to another. And as a small group leader, it can be challenging to know what do I do? How do I best keep my group intact? And maybe at times, how do I how do I bring it all back in? And so we just want to take a moment and maybe give some tips and some pointers to address what do I do when things get out of control? Or what do I do when I have a student that I'm having a little bit of a harder time managing? So James, I'd love to hear some of your maybe even firsthand experience, Yeah, how we can do this. Yeah. I mean, this is a question that I'm really passionate about because I have seen so many small group leaders just be frustrated by the lack of engagement from their students and them not knowing how to re-engage those students once they've lost them. And, you know, because I've been in the world of student ministry for so long, as a youth pastor and as a small group leader, there's just some of those like skills and best practices that I've developed along the way that I love sharing with some of these frustrated small group leaders <laughs> so that they can solve some of those issues and have a better time in their group, a better time for them as the leader and ultimately for their students. And so right. one of the things that's been really helpful for me is at this point, I have been leading the same group of middle school guys since their first night as sixth graders. And at this point, we're in the eighth grade. And what was so That's funny awesome. is in the beginning of them as sixth graders, everything switch was so new and they were so new to the world of middle school that they were like pretty quiet and timid and reserved. And then like a month in, they got comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy, did their uh, demeanor change dramatically. And so I had to adjust my approach to figure out how do I take command of this group of middle school guys who just want to run buck wild? 
And after about a month of that strategy being really effective, it stopped working. So I had to adjust and do something different. And over the course of the last several years, I've had to regularly re-engage my guys in different ways to make sure that they understand why we're here at Switch and they are set up to get the most out of it. And I've got to have lots of great coaching conversations with other small group leaders for them to implement some of those practices into their own small group. And so that's what I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. And obviously, Josh, for you, you've been in the world of student ministry for a long time, longer than I've been following Jesus. And you're not even that old, but you've got so much I, wisdom to share. I appreciate you saying that I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> you know, one, one of the things I really love that you said, James, is you kind of acknowledged first that, well, you acknowledge that students go through these different seasons or like phases. Yes. So they're just like they go through different phases just as a teenager. They also go through kind of rapidly go through different phases as a switch student. And, you know, you said when they were first in sixth grade, it's like, Hey, you know, we're new to this. We're a little bit nervous. We really like being here. We're just going to be chill. We don't want to cause too much. Like, we don't want to get too much attention. But then within a month, man, like we're ready to light the world on fire. And so yeah. we've all seen and experienced a little bit of what it looks like to be, especially like a 12 year old boy. Like I right. can't speak for all, you know, 12 year old girls, but I know 12 year old boys and they are that way. And so yeah. I, I like that you kind of acknowledge, Hey, they, they go through these different phases and then even for you as a small group leader, you've recognized something that I do right now that works might not continue to work a month or two months from now. And that's just a part of adapting as a leader in any facet of life, adapting as a leader. And if you're a parent, it's also the same thing. You adapt as a parent and you're, you know, things that work right now with your kids, you wouldn't continue to do it the exact same way as they got older. You have to adapt. And so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, maybe some of the different ways that you adapted along the way. But we also talked a little bit beforehand, kind of your mindset in general about how you address this and how you handle students that maybe you're having a little bit of a harder time with. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say kind of the foundational principle for keeping your students engaged, taking command of your students in your small group during the message, pre-experience, whatever it is is to set the tone and hold the line. You've got to set the tone That's and good. hold the line. Here's what I mean. You set the tone by making sure they know what the expectations are. Because people cannot live up to expectations that they don't know exist. They That's need right. to know what are the boundaries, what's okay and what is not okay. Whether I, uh, with my switch group on Wednesday night or my loop group on Sunday morning, I begin every single small group the same way by saying, hey guys, we've got insert X amount of time we have left for this to have intentional conversations about who Jesus is, what that means for us, and how we can be supporting one another. So what I need you guys to do is I need you to be respectful. I need you to listen when somebody else is talking because I promise I'm gonna do the same for you. Are y'all ready? And so I, I, I do that every single time. I set the tone very clearly. And what I always say is I need you to be respectful and I need you to listen when somebody else is talking because I'm going to do the same for you. Now, that's how I set the tone. For you, it might be a little bit different, but it's not enough to just set the tone. You've also got to hold the line because if you put a boundary in place and when people cross the boundary, you don't hold them accountable to it, then they will not believe the boundary exists anymore. It's kind of like if you get like the like electric fence for your dog and you put the wire in place, but you never actually turn it on 
it is going to be completely ineffective. And then if you only turn it on sometimes, that's going to be really confusing to the dog and actually not very fair. So one of the best things you can do is make sure that your students know where the line is and you actually hold them accountable to stay within the lines. So that's kind of the starting point here, because if you try to correct a student for breaking an expectation that they didn't know was an expectation, they are going to feel like they're being treated unfairly, kind of because they are. So that is my kind of overarching principle when it comes to this conversation is as a leader, it is your responsibility to set the tone and hold the line. When you do that, that's about 50% of it. The other 50% is what you do once they've crossed the line. When you talked about expectations, it immediately made me think of conversations I've had with my kids, my own kids, where I had clearly not set the expectation <laughs> and and my kids like did something that was just, you're like, man, is there a more bonehead move than the one you just pulled, right? Like yeah. something like that happened. Uh, obviously some type of move that I had done a million times my, as a sure. kid, but I remember being caught, this has happened to me multiple times as a dad and going, what were you thinking? Like, did you, did you, why did you do that? And they'd go, I I don't know. And I'd be like, did you not know not to do that? And they'll go, no. And I'm like, (laughs) well, crap, I guess that was my job, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, you, you realize like as the adult, sometimes you forget like how many expectations you have to make it really clear And you cannot assume that they just know those expectations. Right. And then just like you said with the electric fence, it's like, yeah, you also can't assume like you were saying it it can be confusing. But I would say even in general, you can't assume they're going to remember. So that's good. Part of it's even just in just going, hey, I've got a lot of other things going on in my life. I didn't create this expectation. It was your idea. And so since it wasn't my idea. While I I might, as a student, want to respect it, that doesn't mean it's at the top of my list. And so I'm not necessarily going to just remember it unless you continue to make it important. And so those were some of my key takeaways from what you mentioned. And I think they're very foundational in in how we're communicating with students. Yeah, 100%. And, And I think what's interesting here, and this is kind of like a little Bible nerd tangent, but that idea of setting the tone, holding the line, making it clear what is expected and what is not appropriate is is actually the way that God works in scripture. There's a reason that the very front end of the Bible is loaded with all sorts of laws and commands and instructions because God wanted his people to know what his expectations were for them as his people, right? Because he is their God. And until people understand justice, They're never going to appreciate mercy. And the idea of grace will never be something that they can comprehend. And so that's why it's important that we as leaders set the tone and we hold the line. Don't get me wrong. Mercy and grace absolutely come into play because we are navigating relationships with students and doing the best we can to show them the love of God. And that includes mercy and grace, but it usually starts with justice, setting the tone and holding the line. So what happens when a student crosses the line? when they are continually being a distraction, breaking the expectations, going outside of the boundaries. What I want to do is share with you a process that I learned from my Life Kids pastor, Kyle Lynn, at the Life Church Edmond location that I have repeated so many times because it's just really good. Are you ready for this? When a student 
goes outside of the lines of what is appropriate and expected behavior. First, you warn them. Then you move them. And then finally, if it gets there, you remove them. You warn them. So good. You move them. And then if you need to, you remove them. So in a real world example, on a Wednesday night with my small group, what I do, whether it's like during worship, message, small group, if I've got a kid who's talking when he shouldn't be talking, I go up to him and I say, hey man, please stop talking. You're being a distraction to the people around you. Pay attention to what's going on. And that's usually like my first warning where it's just a, it's, it's honestly less of a warning. It's more of a, hey, pay attention. Make sure you, you know the right. expectation. Then if it happens again, I'll say again, hey man, we've already talked about this. So the next time it happens, I'm going to have you move over here, away from your friends, next to me, wherever that, that place is. So I'm warning them. I'm letting them know. Here's the expectation. If you break it, you're being moved. And then if they break it, I actually move them. I do this all the time during the message. When I've got a group of like three or four guys who just want to talk the whole time, I will sometimes preemptively just like spread them apart and sit right in between them. (laughs) Just because it's like, if you sit down right in the (laughs) middle of those talking students, guess what? They got to talk past you to talk to each other. And that shuts down most of it. But they're not that committed. Right. They're not that committed. But then if it keeps on happening, then I just move them. I will move them to either the other side of the like the, the row of students. I'll move them three or four spaces away. If it's in small group, I will move one of the guys away from his friend on the other side of the circle, and I'll make him sit right next to me in the middle of the circle. And that, again, solves a whole bunch of the issues. But if it keeps on happening, if after I've moved them, they continue to be disruption and a distraction, then I will remove them. And that might just be I remove them from the environment and we go have a conversation in the lobby. It could be I remove them from this part of the small group and I let my co-leader run group while I have a conversation with the student. It could be if things get bad enough that we actually remove them from Switch for a period of time by suspending them for a couple of weeks. Obviously, we're partnering with parents. We're talking to our coaches and our youth pastors every step of the way. But there are genuinely times where the best thing for that student and for the other students in your group is to remove them from Switch for a period of time because ultimately, if they continue to be a distraction, a disruption, like recently there was a student who's just throwing a bunch of pins in the middle of the message at a girl who was there for the very first time. Mm. And that was one where we moved pretty quickly through the three steps. I warned him once, we moved him. We talked to the parents and we let him know, hey, if this continues, you're going to be removed. Now, he didn't show up the week after that. I hope he will come back. But even though he didn't show up, that girl did show back up. And she was able to have a great experience that wasn't being disrupted by a middle school boy throwing pins at the back of her head. And so I say all that to say, when it comes to engaging your students, taking command of them, regardless of the part of the night, we set the tone and we hold the line. We warn them when they step out of line. If they continue to do it, we move them. And then we appropriately remove them from the environment, from whatever that situation is, or even in some cases from switch for a period of time. Yep. And, you know, I always, when I'm a conversation, I often have when I'm talking to leaders about bullying or, you know, like how important it is and how much we don't put up with that is I always tell them, Hey, either the bully can stay or the kid getting bullied can stay, but typically they don't both stay. Wow. And so if I have a choice, I'm going to pick the kid that didn't do anything wrong and let them stay. And the bully's going to go home. And so 
it doesn't mean that we don't want that kid to come back. It just means that I have a decision to make. And the best thing I can do for a kid that's being a punk and needs to be held accountable is to hold them accountable that's good, and, and to give them some follow up and tell them, hey, this is. And so I would say the same thing applies. Like you're saying a kid's throwing pins. That's that's being a punk. Like, you, right. you, you know better. And so you right. need to be held accountable at, at the same time. I'll say this, and James mentioned it, and so I'm going to make sure it's real clear. This is not a decision for you as a small group leader to make. And so please don't feel like we're telling you, hey, man, like when you feel like it's time to ixnay a kid at a switch, <laughs> you just, like cut just, just, cut, just be like, you're out. So that is not what we're saying. Uh, your youth pastor will be involved in that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely should be. And they should be involved in that conversation before it comes to that conversation or or at least your you know your team leader your coach yep. should be involved in that conversation maybe not always your youth pastor so a lot of times a coach that helps with a lot of those they should be involved along the way because just like in lots of other areas of life and leadership just like sometimes you need another level of leadership to get involved to send a different message there are times in switch that a switch coach needs to get involved to send yep. a message to say, hey, this is no longer just your small group leader dealing with it. Now I, as someone who leads your small group leader, am now involved. You don't even know me, but I know you. And I need you to know that I've been a, made aware of a problem. Let's talk about what's going on. And then may, and, and maybe it's the youth pastor, but it brings another opportunity for that kid to realize, oh man, I've drawn some attention that isn't good. And right. clearly I've made some mistakes maybe I can make it right before we get to that step. And so suspending a kid from switch is, is the, we don't ever want to get to that. But like James said, sometimes genuinely that is the best thing for the kid because punishment is just, it's a part of the consequence. It's important for a kid to be able to learn something like that. And so there were, I've had kids tell me in the past like years ago, I had a kid literally say, this is church. You can't kick me out of church. And I was like, bro, you do not know. I can totally <laughs> kick you out of church. And so, you know, like it's important for them to understand, hey, you you can't bully your way around. Like you that's not the way we treat people. Right. And so we're gonna teach you how to how to treat people appropriately. Yeah, hundred percent. I think all that is so good. I loved what you said, Josh, about you can either let the bully stay or the kid who's being bullied stay. Cause very rarely are they both gonna keep showing up. And I think that's a really, really helpful way to think about it for us as leaders is when you have to make the hard decision, we want to do the best we can to make sure that the hard decision is the right decision. And if you're not sure if it is, bring in your coach. If you're sure that it is, bring in your coach. <laughs> they right. and your youth pastor need to be a part of this process so that, they, that we can make sure that we're navigating it in the way that is the most truthful and graceful possible because partnering with parents is also a part of this process that will show up and they'll be able to help you navigate that. You don't have to navigate all of those details for you. I would just encourage you to remember that it is your responsibility as a leader to set the tone and hold the line. And when your students go out of line, because they will, how you respond matters. I would encourage you to warn them, move them, and appropriately remove them so that they and everybody else can have a great experience. And just so you know, as it, it doesn't always work out this way, but our goal is that if we end up suspending a kid, our goal is that a parent knew we were having conversations along the way. Exactly. And so 
the hope is that a parent isn't blindsided to find out my kid just got suspended and I had no clue there was an issue. It doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes a kid just does something and it's like, it's got to happen tonight. Right. But, but that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is that we're working with parents along the way. So know this as small group leaders, I said this last week, I say this all the time. You're more prepared than you think you are. We trust that you are ready for this. And so just know if you got something that you're feeling like you're not equipped for, man, just ask for help. Just know that's why we have a team of leaders. That's why it's not just you at Switch. And there's an army of people there that are ready and uh, and that love youth ministry and are ready to support you. So ask for help, ask for ideas, ask for feedback and, and allow others to walk through things with you. We love you guys so much. We thank you for doing what you do in youth ministry. And thank you for making it important to listen to this podcast and be prepared every week. As always, thanks for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.